Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film, Jaws, Minute by Minute, or thereabouts. I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I am Sarah Buttery, and we've got a returning guest this week. So welcome back uh, to the podcast, Nick Mia. How are you doing, Nick? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me back on. Of course, of course, yeah. Um, so we don't need to ask you the, the Jaws question, uh, unless you fancy <laughs> answering it for a second time. <laughs> no, uh, I, I think I covered it the last time. So yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all covered, all covered there. Uh, I guess we could say, ask how, how the fame has changed you since you know, your last uh, appearance on the podcast. Uh, any uh, any people recognizing you in the street? Anything like that? Oh, yeah, no, all the time. <laughs> They're just like, hey, you're the Nick from the Jaws podcast. And I'm like, you recognize my voice? And then they just leave me alone. So, no, but I am, I do have the official Let's Jaws for a Minute swag t-shirt, which I did not have last time because it would not get shipped to me fast enough. (laughs) Yeah, I saw saw the picture on Twitter. Yeah, I feel like I'm a real team player today. Like, I have my official uniform and Mm -hmm. I'm ready to go into the game. So, Mm yeah. An excellent choice. Uh, it is uh, the uniform required for guests coming on the podcast <laughs> to wear some kind of Jaws t-shirt. I mean, we're not going to say it has to be our merch, but bonus points if it is. So uh, <laughs> you've already already won this time. Um, so let's. Uh, I think we should get started talking about this week's scene because it is quite a long scene and I'm sure we're going to have plenty to say about it. Um, so breaking the tradition of the last uh, few weeks, this scene is not a minute and 38 seconds. It is two minutes and three seconds. Uh, and the timestamp is from one hour, 47 minutes and 21 seconds through to one hour, 49 minutes and 24 seconds. Uh, and in this, uh, we see... So so the, the orca is heading into shore, or at least trying to anyway. Uh, the barrels pop up again from behind the, the orca. Quint starts to, to whistle, uh, quite ominously, I might add, um, ignoring Hooper's suggestion not to put too much pressure on the orca, which is already not in the best shape right now. Uh, and as they're sort of motoring towards the shore, we get lots of um, spluttering and smoke and stuff from the from the orca's engine quint and hooper get into like a a small physical altercation as well which is uh very interesting we'll have a lot to say about that i'm sure uh quint gives us uh almost a full rendition of farewell and adieu again the third and final time we we hear that um and uh yeah lots of yelling explosions uh things happening (laughs) in this scene uh quite a dramatic scene and quite a lot packed into those two minutes and three seconds so uh We'll, we'll head over to you first, Nick. Uh, what did you pick up on in this week's scene? Okay, so uh, going out of order of the sequences that happened, but um, the explosion part when, when Hooper's like, I got to go get my my gear, and he goes down there. That explosion, and I get it, the movies, you want it to look like he could have been in danger. That legit looked like it, it, it was it was like inches from his face. 
mm-hmm. I have to imagine that was not supposed to be so close to him because anytime you're dealing with fire like that, like you have to be very careful. And I was like, God, that looked like it legitimately startled him. <laughs> um, and I wonder if that was like a one take and they're like, okay, we got it way too close to, to the actor. Um, so that was like just something that stuck out right away where I was, I was like, wow, that really looked like that little explosion happened right in his face. Um, mm. I don't know how you guys felt about that, but it definitely I, just to me, it seemed like that, that might be a little bit too close. And I wonder if they were like, OK, we're done. We got what we needed for that. <laughs> uh, we had this. Um, lo- oh, I can't remember how long ago now, but the bit where the, the barrel like flies past Brody's head and we were like, that's real close uh, to his face. And whether it's just the camera angle or not, but it looked very, very close. So I thought the same thing about this explosion. I was like, that really looks like it is happening like right next to his head, like beard singingly close to Hooper <laughs> is what that explosion I, is. I think that's the industry term. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it did kind of remind me of when Keith Moon's drums exploded. I don't know if you know what I'm talking yes. about. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, when they were, it was, I think it was, it was in the 60s sometime. Uh, they were on some TV show, The Who, uh, okay. if you don't know who Keith Moon No, I was like, I was like, wait a minute, I think I got that, but go ahead, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so he, they used to do a gimmick where his, like, the, the, the front head of his kick drum would explode. Uh, well, he asked one of the stagehands of the show they were on to rig up extra explosives, and boy did he! <laughs> and the, you can find the video of it on YouTube, it's crazy. And uh, the whole drum set explodes. And uh, it's the biggest contributing factor to Pete Townsend's hearing loss mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> over the years. Like he, he temporarily could not hear out of that ear for a while and has always had worse hearing damage in his left ear because of that. Um, so, yeah, yeah that's, kind of, that's kind of the vibe I get. Like, have you seen the Pete Townsend video? That's almost how Hooper responds to this explosion. <laughs> oh, and I'm sure as soon as they're like, and cut, he's like, what the F, guys? Like, <laughs> this oh, is like yeah. my fourth movie. Please don't kill me before I could even become a star. Like, it, I mean, it, it, but like. I've got to make Kippendorf's tribe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you know, it's I'm like, hey, to his credit, hey, he sold it. It looked like a legitimate explosion um, <laughs> that. I guess is necessary to show, oh, this boat's really effed up. But at the same time, it's like, is it really, though? Because you could have shown it was messed up without the explosion. I'm sure they were like, this will look really good, which it does. It just looks like it goes off just way too close. And this is the 70s. This isn't like, oh, it's a CGI fire. Don't worry. We'll be fine. Like, no, that's that's legitimately an explosion that could have went horribly wrong. So, uh, yeah, that's what I similar sort of to like what happened with the the situation on the set of that movie rust right like mm-hmm. uh the, the alec baldwin situation i mean that's that happened in 2021 so like what almost 50 years later and sets are still not devoid of those types of dangers yep yeah this the famous uh from the crow uh with uh yeah, yeah, yeah. with with that going off like it's just there's it always seems like there's now and again, this one was lucky, but it just goes to show you, though, how much preparation goes into a movie. And even 
bad ones have like like I I always appreciate the behind the scenes stuff, but like things go wrong all the time, and you know, luckily you only I mean, unfortunately you only hear about it when it's fatal. But like that like that legitimately could have could have been really bad. So I, I'm I would be curious. I've never heard them mention it because obviously for Spielberg this movie probably still haunts his dreams because it was such a nightmare to shoot. But I wonder if that was one like on the day they're like good i'm we're glad it looked good but let's just not do that again like you know you this is a terrible dad joke but like you played with fire and you were lucky not to get burned um <laughs> but but yeah so that was just that was the first thing that stuck out to me in that and that very what like you said a lot does happen in these two minutes but that was one where it's like right towards the end and you're just like ooh, that that looked almost really bad <laughs> yeah i mean it's we i think we spoke about this um maybe a few weeks ago, MJ, but the sort of like the the risk taking that there was with films of this era. I think we spent a long time talking about Sorcerer because, you know, it's us. Um with yeah. like the <laughs> the you know not 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 caring about the actors, but also just being like, ah, well, you know, like if someone gets gangrene and has to go to the hospital, like that's fine. We'll just, you know, we we press on <laughs> kind of thing. And you can sort of see that in i mean i was just trying to find the source for it because i know i mentioned it in um the article that i wrote about uh about duel um where the so dennis weaver in in that who plays like the the main guy he did like a lot of sort of his own stunts in that as well because they really like made that film on a shoestring so it's like you know don't bother about getting a stunt guy in like i can just do this myself um and mj i know you've seen jewel nick have you seen jewel at all um, so i i i've not watched it all the way through i've seen a lot and i've seen like mm, all the interviews about it so i know yeah. what happens i know like it's it's essentially like jaws but a truck chasing yes. this random <laughs> and i they there was a movie in the early 2000s that kind of took that joyride movie with mm. uh steve zahn and um and yeah, I've got numbers in my horse about that sort of movie before. Yeah. Uh, so on this show, because it was written by J.J. Abrams, who's been trying to copy Spielberg his entire career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that legitimately is like, what if? Now, hear me out. Instead of chasing one guy, it's three people, and <laughs> so they're like, it's different. It's it's one of those like. They, they don't want to call it dual type remakes, but they're like, we're essentially just going to remake this movie. And luckily, I mean, I guess for J.J. Abrams, unless you really know Spielberg, you probably haven't seen Duel because mm. it wasn't like it's not like a uh, like a launch pad film that was huge. Like you guys said, it was a small budget. But yeah, yeah there's there's a few stories about stunts that almost went terribly wrong on mm. that movie. Yeah, I so I've I found it now. I had to go to my to my article rather than the source because um, it wasn't working. But um, the the bit when he's like he's in the phone booth and he's trying to make a make a call and the truck is like in the background and the truck is like coming towards the the phone booth. And in this interview, um, Dennis Weaver says, I've got a very strong memory of that. All of a sudden I said, hey, Stephen, you don't need a stunt double. I'll get in there and do that. I was in that telephone booth. It ran through my mind. What the hell was I doing in here? Where do I jump out? I had to gauge that on the sound I heard. I had a real moment where I thought, that's a pretty stupid thing to do. And I remember reading that and I was like, 
yeah no shit that's a pretty stupid thing to do because in that yeah. in that scene his back is to the to the truck as well so he had to time that by like sound so you know and in like a little phone booth as well i mean i'm sure there was someone kind of like furiously waving in front of him like get out of the phone booth but he had to gauge that like how close does the truck sound to me and if you watch that scene back it is a real like near miss like my i i after i found that um found that interview and, and was reading about that and just generally all the mad lad stuff that spielberg was doing on that film i rewatched like that scene and a couple of other scenes from jewel and i was like wow yeah like a guy could have died doing this like genuinely that could have happened and i don't know if we get that close on jaws but i think what i love like particularly about this back half of the film and and what we're seeing in these few scenes and this explosion and like just how close it is to to richard dreyfus's head and that bit with the barrel when it whizzes past roy scheider is it just feels so real and so authentic and what i love is that we're starting to see the orca like falling apart like before our eyes basically we're seeing bits falling off of it and smoke coming out and this boat is getting like really beat up now and you you get the sense that you know this isn't just i know they had multiple orcas for different things but like this isn't just a thing that they you know plentiful orcas lining up on on the back lot or whatever that they could use like they were filming this at sea so you know doing that doing that explosion i'm pretty sure they probably did have to do it in in one take to be honest i mean they i'm sure they would have rehearsed with like we you know rig this up with explosives here's what's going to fly off here and i i know there's that shot of it happening like right next to richard Dreyfuss's head but then the next bit you don't when the like the the door blows open basically you don't see him there so maybe they they did it like several times from different angles but you 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 still get that sense of danger i think feels very very real where he is you know like i said beard singingly close to catching on fire <laughs> yeah i mean you know to 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 keep the conversation rolling about <clears throat> the dangerous stunts on stuff also i didn't mention this at the top i'm kind of sick this week so bear with me uh if you're listening but um the James Bond movies are also, mm. they kind of led the way of, of dangerous stunts, especially, I mean, I've I talked about it before. I was I was on the Bond We Fair podcast to talk about Moonraker, and that was probably the highest budgeted uh, James Bond movie ever. So they could do whatever they want. I mean, that, that, that movie was made at the height of James Bond's popularity as a franchise. And watching the behind the scenes for that movie um as podcast prep i was just reminded of how crazy some of the stuff they did uh in those movies was just like the 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 you know at, at a certain point they started doing a lot of skydiving stunts and they would do 70 or 80 <laughs> jumps for a two and a half minute sequence um and they had to develop a special kind of camera in a titanium casing so that the 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 cameraman's neck wouldn't snap when he pulled his shoot, um, but he also had to. Uh, it was still too much because he, they would mount it on his helmet, and so the force would have been too much if he would have just pulled it normally. So they had to wrap the cameraman's parachute in a rope so that it would open more slowly. But because he was the cameraman, 
he had to uh, open his parachute last, and it was the slowest thing to open. So uh, just right then and there, the, the amount of danger in <laughs> in just getting the shot from not even a person who you see in the movie, just the guy filming it. I would love uh, to have been in that production meeting pitching that to the cameraman. Like, look, we got something. It's going to be a little risque. Uh, and he's like, what do you mean risque? They're like, well, your life literally will be on the line. And if this does not go how we're planning it, we will make sure to send your wife and kids our condolences and a free copy of the movie. Cause like that, that seems insane. <laughs> uh, well also too. So I'm sure you guys know about this, but there, actually there's a funny quote from this, from jaws where their, their boat was actually sinking at one point and Spielberg was yelling, like get the actors off the boat. Mm-hmm. And then the sound equipment managers like F the actors save the sound gear. And he's like, <laughs> It's Spielberg's like, yeah, actually, you know what? That probably would have been the smart thing to do first is like, let's get the equipment off the boat that's sinking. And then the actors who could swim, they'll be okay. But like, they really like the, this whole third act. It's what, it's so fascinating when you learn the behind the scenes stuff, but like how long it took to shoot a pretty like 40, 50 minute part of a movie. But like, it was just a nightmare shooting at sea. And it's probably why so many movies are like, nope, we'll do it on a, in a back lot yeah. pool and just green screen everything else. <laughs> Cause we could get it done in a week instead of, you know, 50, 60 days. Mm-hmm. I think he, I certainly in this scene get the frustration as well. And I think it's a little bit of like the behind the scenes spilling into what we see on, on the camera as well. Like particularly with that altercation between Quint and Hooper. Um, and you're just, I mean, I don't know about sort of like the continuity in terms of filming. I like to think that they sort of filmed it, you know, fairly beginning to end, at least with, you know, when you have to show the orca looking like beat up or bits that have come off or smoke coming out and stuff. Yeah. Like it makes sense to do that in some in some kind of order. But the it was a, a, a grueling shoot, like you said, Nick, and you, you are at least for me, I'm very much getting the we're in the last 15 minutes of the film kind of vibes from um, <laughs> from this scene because you're just sort of... Quint in particular in this scene is just maniacal and I kind of love it. He's like unhinged uh, in this in this scene. Well, we can come on to the uh, yeah. aggressive way that he sings uh, Farewell and Adieu in, in this, but I... I just, yeah, <laughs> what I love is Hooper quite quite gently, uh, before he almost gets punched in the face, quite gently saying to Quint, Quint, don't put that much pressure on it. Like, he's pretty calm. He is, you know, uh, understanding that saying to Quint, you know, yelling in Quint's face right now is not going to get through to him. But Quint is so tunnel vision, not even listening to what the other guys are saying. Um, that I don't really think he's he's listening to what Hooper has said, but you know he says Quint, don't put that much pressure on it. And then like immediately you just hear it's like a very subtle change in the sound of the boat, but he rather than putting less pressure, he is definitely putting more pre- more pressure on it because you yeah. you hear the sort of the engine the engine sound changes, doesn't it? Like he is you know putting his foot down basically. I don't know how boats work, but whatever the boat equivalent of putting your foot down is. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, 
he definitely it is it is a defiant revving of the engine. <laughs> uh, That's it. Yeah. From Quinn, this whole sequence is like he he's like I it's, all right. I'm the Joker of the sea now. Uh, <laughs> he just it, it's totally unhinged. Yeah. Well, there's two two major things. A, he's very suicidal. It seems in this scene where he is just like, I don't give a crap if this boat blows up. I will floor it almost like he's like a stubborn child who's like, yo, you're trying to tell me what to do. Uh, uh-uh, Look what I could do. And mm-hmm. he also does this like head nod dance yeah. that that I'm guessing was improvised by him just being caught in the moment. But like, it's so good because it's so like he like you said, uh, MJ, it's very Joker esque. You're like, he's so psychotic in this scene, even when he's not saying anything, just the look in his eye, you're like. Man, he looks like he does not care if Brody dies, if Hooper dies, and in the moment doesn't care if he dies. But he's like, I will floor it because it's what I want to do. And if my boat sinks, it sinks. And I'll just get in a fist fight with the shark if I have to. Like, he he just does not seem to give a crap about Mm. anything, uh, any type of ramification of what could happen. Um like, I love that head nod he does, because I'm like, <laughs> he kind of looks like he's having fun. He's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get the shark back. I'm going to kill it, and I'm going <laughs> to put its jaws up, and, oh, man, wait till the taxidermy sees this. It's going to be awesome, mm-hmm. even though, like, your boat's on fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think it goes more into the, the, the Vietnam allegory we've used uh, in mm-hmm. the past to talk about Quint in particular. Like, this is... I mean, it's sort of Apocalypse Now, four years before Apocalypse Now, right? Like, it's very Heart of Darkness, uh, you know, madness of the 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 jungle type of situation where he's just like, it's he's it's it's a a go for broke mission at this point, and um, you know, this is especially post Vietnam is when you really start seeing the sort of and not in the not in, in the Marvel way, but like the super soldier type of archetype starts to come out of this like the you know the rambo movies and commando and you know the sort of one-man army Mm. idea starts happening a lot more um after vietnam than uh uh than than before so this is you know sort of a proto version of that the way you know and and we'll talk about that in this scene as well the way this is sort of a proto slasher movie um in certain scenes that uh this is sort of the 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 lone wolf vietnam soldier kind of taking matters into their own hands to get the mission done no matter the cost even their own mental health and life eventually Mm. i noticed um something in uh the mix that i i don't think i've heard before and i had to check it in in the script and it doesn't have the full line but quint does say if i break the engine i break the engine um it's when it's when hooper is sort of you know uh coming into his space a little bit and just being like look when you're unhinged like stop the boat or you know don't put put so much pressure on it um and quint's yeah like i'll break the engine i'll break the engine it's basically he's basically saying if i die i die like at this point Mm -hmm. he does not care and i i really love the you see it um when he's like whistling um so before he sort of like starts singing before the the small like fight breaks out but hooper is over on the left and quint is in the middle steering the boat and Brody is on the right 
So we spoke last week, I think, about like sort of um, using shapes in film. So again, this very clear like triangle shape, but with Quinn at at the head of that and sort of in the in the center his back is to the other two and they sort of crane round quite a bit to sort of see like what's he up to what is he doing why is he driving this boat like a madman uh, and for the most part like he does look round mostly when one of the others is bothering him but quint is just kind of looking like dead ahead <laughs> almost like directly at us at times as well so you really get this sense of uh what i write down in my notes it's like he's got tunnel vision basically he's like doesn't matter what either of the two are uh, saying you know he is not listening he has one focus and that's like get to land and and take this shark with me sort of thing he doesn't care if he breaks that engine you know like you said nick he doesn't care if he loses one of the others or himself along the way like he is this is past the point of no return now Mm -hmm. for quint i think and something that is reflected in in when he does sort of sing the song as well and and I'll, I'll talk later about sort of the three times that we that we hear that song sung because I think there's possibly something in that that I'd like like to explore but when he sings it this time around he does kind of get cut off like mid line as well so it is this sense of like the end for Quint is very very near by this point he is about to sort of you know cut short in the sense that he is about to get bitten in half by a shark but you know he is not he's not going to finish that mission he's not going to finish you know his song he's not going to finish what he set out to do like he is going to be the one to go and we have spoken a lot obviously about you know quint sort of seeing this as like a revenge mission as well and and when someone is so focused on revenge it can become obsession and for quint it is now in you know obsession it's like it's it's me or the shark at this at this point and he's not it's i think he's almost like forgotten that the other two are there basically <laughs> like yeah. and that, well, that bit where they um where they fight like it doesn't seem out of character because i know there's been animosity but they've also been they've been building bridges like hooper and quint have becoming like sort of you know closer and working better together so seeing them come that that close to like coming to blows is like is quite shocking really but it's also like does quint even know at this point like who that is <laughs> or is it just a person who is telling him that you know not to do something when he is so focused on doing one thing yeah oh no for sure and i think quint what makes him such a classic character um is like uh, just in movies in general hotheads are always way more entertaining in a movie um and and like you look through like the history of classic movies like uh uh james uh con for uh sunny and and um godfather he's kind of mm-hmm. a hothead but he and like he, he gets he, you know he gets the awesome well hotheads always tend to get the awesome death in a movie you know joe <laughs> pesci and goodfellas yeah. my all-time favorite movie Every time he opens the door and is about to get whacked, I'm always like, just just run, Joe. Don't, don't. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, Quint is like, you finally, like you said, uh, Sarah, he finally, in through the movie, he get, builds a little bit of a rapport with Hooper where they're listening to each other a little bit. And then he just goes right back to his instinct of like, it's so personal with him and this shark that he, like you said, he's got tunnel vision. And it is... 
I'm taking him into shore. I'm going to kill him. If, if I got to toss Brody and Hooper off the boat and he has to snack on them for a while, like, I don't care. I'm getting this shark. And, uh, and, um, th- what really sells it too is, is Hooper's reaction telling Brody, like, hang on. Cause he knows something bad. And just the mm-hmm. way they look back at him, like, what the F is this guy's problem? Why, like, why you, it's like when you know someone who keeps doing bad things and you're like, why are you so stupid? Like, why do you do these things that you know are bad? And, that you could tell they're just like, ah, Quint, like we finally got the shark in, in a way where we might be able to capture him. Like just stop for a second, stop Mm -hmm. doing what comes so natural to you. (laughs) And this whole third act is just more proof of how Robert Shaw was. And this is like my biggest, I think Oscar snub, not that the Oscars are everything because they're not, but how he was not nominated for best supporting actor. It just baffles me. Like, Mm -hmm. He's so damn good. And this is exactly what a supporting actor does. He's in one third of the movie, really. And he steals pretty much every scene he's in. And it's like, it's like the Academy was so against Jaws, just nominating it. They were like, oh, whatever. We'll nominate it because it's the biggest box office we've ever seen. And we have to nominate it because it got good reviews and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, how is he overlooked? He's so damn good in the movie. So that's like, I always around Oscar season in my head, I'm like, what are the big snubs of like all time? I go, this has to be <laughs> a all time supporting, but let alone the movie didn't even win, which also you feel like if it would have won, you're like, okay, maybe then it covers up. But it's like, really? You're telling me there was five actors that year who gave supporting roles better than Robert Shaw, who quints like an all time great. It also mm-hmm. just shows you how like you would you rather be nominated for an award or play a character who everyone will remember for like the history of cinema so right. he's just the, the, this this scene is so um and i'm not going to do a i was going to say oh it's quintessential but it is <laughs> it's like this is quint in a whole like the whole movie of his mm-hmm. character is like these two minutes because he goes from like semi-normal to a psycho to like a giddy schoolboy over something he shouldn't be giddy about and it's like what's every range of emotion you could have in a two-minute scene as quint in these like two minutes mm-hmm. um but yeah no there's so i had to get off on that quick i was like i have to mention how much it it chaps my ass that he was not nominated <laughs> even though i wouldn't even i wouldn't even like a twinkle in my father's eye in 1975 but it's like it mm-hmm. just annoys me that he got <laughs> that he got overlooked for this Mm-hmm. yeah i mean you know it's uh, uh, the oscars have been announced or the the nominees have been announced at the time that we're recording this for 2022 and uh yeah you think about that too like spielberg's newest movie got nominated and he got nominated for best director this year yeah correct yes, yes he did yeah, yeah. Uh, west side yeah. story did. Okay. how do you not nominate him for draws man that's, <laughs> that's the thing there's like a handful of ones like where you're like a director won for that and not this or got nominated or like Pacino is a great example. He won an Oscar like 30 years after doing that movies. Was, and it's like, mm-hmm. that's not even his best role is not scent of a woman or Leo. I still always say yes. the Leo Oscar was a crap. You should have probably won by now. So we'll give you it for the revenant, <laughs> yeah. which, which is just uh, not uh, not his best role, uh, like you know. At least, at least it, my it's opinion. I got on that exact same high horse too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I 
I think, well, didn't we go through like most of Leo's other performances? Like, should have won for that. Should have won for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, Scorsese too. I love The Departed. That is one of my favorite Scorsese movies, but he definitely earned a Best Director Oscar long Jeez. before well, that. Like yeah. I said, Goodfellas is my favorite, and I go, I, that's movie, and I love The Departed. I think Goodfellas is way better than The Departed, and yeah. I'm like, they were like, ooh, we have to give it to. It was like, I love when the Oscars are like, listen, it's shocking you haven't won yet, even though we're the ones who determine who wins. And we're like, <laughs> okay, just give it to him now because he's earned it. It's mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it, it is pretty crazy. But yeah, no, Spielberg, like I said, it, why they hated Jaws so much, I don't understand. But there's just times with the Academy, you're like, uh, you love Shape of Water, which is just as absurd as Jaws. Like, mm-hmm. it's almost like there's always an example of you thought that movie was absurd. What about this one you had win or had nominated? So, yeah, sorry. I don't mean to get us off on a tangent. I just was <laughs> like, I haven't been on since September. And I'm like, it just always is something that has annoyed the crap out of me that somehow they they like look down at this movie, which makes no sense. But yeah, anyway. Well, and also <laughs> not to get, you know, Kevin Smith, you know, why didn't you nominate Spider-Man, the many, the men, the many Spider-Men uh, <laughs> movie? But you know, if you look at Shape of Water and you look at Jaws, one of those things people are still going to be talking mm-hmm. about. Now, how many people talk about how good Shape of Water is now? No, and if anything, everyone always calls it the fish effing movie, and it's like <laughs> that's not what the message they wanted. Like. <laughs> You know, and, yeah. or look, and, and I'm not again, I'm not knocking the movie and I will get us I will get off this. But like No Man Land won last year. And it's mm-hmm. like I, I, I know a lot of people who like movies who are like, what the hell is that movie? So it's like it just shows you I go, you can't place too much importance on it. At the same time, it's just sometimes movies. Are, it's like, here's your layup Oscars. This is so easy. This is a great movie. And also like the Spider-Man thing. You want people to watch? Just nominate it. Even if you don't believe in it, you nominate 10 movies. You're telling me there's not one of the 10 where you're like, oh, we know we're not going to vote this movie to win. Okay, so throw in a a big budget movie that people actually are talking about, and then people will watch your show, uh, even if it's a long shot. Like, there's just things where I'm like, be smart about it. That's all. Like, you, you want people to view the Oscars throw throw a bone be like here you go here's of the 10 movies spider-man's one of them because we want an extra two million people to view in because no one watches us anymore like Mm. i don't know i always think people these uh, these committees way overthink their process and i'm like no nobody really cares it just for actors winning one is it gets you more money now on your next movie because you are now academy award winning actor or two-time Academy Award winning actor, you know, and instead of MTV, you know, Best Kiss Award winner, which I, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, Toby McGuire is like, hey, I got that for me in 2004. So it's pretty awesome. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry to get us on this. Uh, <laughs> no, that's, uh, <laughs> that's quite all right. I, I was just intrigued uh, because I, too, um, aggrieved that Robert Shaw did not uh, not even get nominated for, for Best Supporting. I'm just, I think I'm just generally quite aggrieved that none of the acting performances were recognised in Jaws because mm-hmm. we've done nothing but praise how good these acting performances are. And I was like, I wonder how, like, 
Robert Shaw must have won an Oscar or had like multiple nominations. Oh, one funny you bring that nomination. up. He has one nomination. <laughs> now, yep. to be fair to Robert Shaw, he did die at the age of 52. I imagine yeah. he would have had better. But like the fact that he's so great and he only had one um. nomination is like, <laughs> it's like, oh, he got Man nominated. I just... Yes. Yeah, I think so. I just had it up because I did want to verify before I went on this tangent because I'm like, I'm 99.9% certain he did not get nominated for Jaws. And mm-hmm. for some reason, I was just like, now that we're doing a pot, <laughs> I'm on this podcast, I'm like, <laughs> let me make sure I am not wrong about that. But yes, he, he's been nominated, surprisingly, for only like the man of all seasons. He got a Golden Globe and an Oscar nom. Yeah. And that's it. He didn't get any type of nomination for jaws by any of the like eighty five thousand awards you could get during award season um mm-hmm. so yeah that's actually it's it's a pretty sad looking list considering he's so great it's like huh man it, it's got to be that you know like i said maybe he was just scratching the surface of like being a bigger star but mm-hmm. i mean you know yeah it's that is pretty shocking that he was only has one Golden Globe nom and one Oscar nom. So, yeah. Whereas like Roy Scheider had a very good seventies for him. Yes. Was got a. Mm. But yeah, he. Well, and looking at the the supporting actors of the year that Shaw would have been nominated for for Jaws, I've only seen two of those performances, and I honestly don't remember them. <laughs> what it's that's nineteen seventy. Five, right or is it six because i don't know how they list the oscars because i know the jaws came out so it's the 48th it's the 48th academy awards okay um yeah so it's weird the oscars are weird that way because at some point it was like whatever the previous year was and then i don't remember i don't know when but at some point they switched to so like this year even though it's only 2021 movies nominated mm-hmm. it's the 2022 Oscars. yeah but it used to not be that. So I'll say so this. I don't know. It was a very good year for movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Jaws, Dog Day Afternoon, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Like, that's really good. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. We will. I, I will make But yeah, I'm just looking now because I'm like, who the hell? I've seen a lot of old movies. and I'm, So I'm just looking at the list uh, of who was nominated. And I'm not seeing. So they, of course, I'm on. Um, wikipedia which they format this in a really stupid way okay so so yeah i've only seen uh okay so i've seen dog day afternoon so chris uh Saradin jr i don't remember who he is in that and then brad dorf in one flew over the cuckoo's nest very good i've never seen these other ones but like dog day afternoon i i would have thought just pacino or um the guy who plays Fredo, I forget the actor's name. He's another actor who died very young uh, and only was in like a few, he was only in a few movies and three of them were Godfather part one and two and, and, and Dog Day <laughs> Afternoon. So not too shabby uh, if you're only going to be in a couple movies. But yeah, so uh, th- this episode should just be called Justice for Robert Shaw. He needs like, <laughs> a, he needs the Oscars to be like, you know what? We effed up guys. Yeah, We're going to backtrack this and, and you know, because like, like you said, it's crazy that not one acting performance was nominated, and and all three guys you could have made a case for, um, to at least get nominated. Which, yeah, again, that doesn't mean everything, but this is still when the Oscars had some prestige to them. 
even though it was the 48th one, which seems crazy that in 1975, that was already almost 50 years worth of the Academy <laughs> Awards. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, so. I mean, I, yeah, I I wonder if, because I know Jaws was nominated, like it had nominations and it, it was nominated um, for Best Picture as well. So it's not like they didn't see it in the sort of, you know, same prestige as the, as the other films nominated but like was it just you know as a blockbuster and and they didn't really know i don't know yeah it only it only got nominated for best film editing uh best picture i'm just looking really quick and i see like best sound best con uh nothing yeah oh and john williams well okay we shouldn't be shocked by that okay so (laughs) naturally you know and i've that, that was my yeah no shit Sherlock moment. Uh, yes, <laughs> so yeah, it was really like a movie. They were like, ah, oh, okay, it's got a good score and good editing. I guess we'll like. I could just imagine some guy with a monocle's like, yes, I guess we will nominate this little shark movie, Ugh, but <laughs> it won't win, and we will not nominate anything else. And everyone else in the room is like, harumph, all right, let's. Let's just throw them a, a little bone on on a couple of awards or a couple of nominations. So, all right. So I'm sorry. I, I feel so bad. I've really sidetracked <laughs> this on this, but it, it is just something I'm like, <laughs> I I this I uh, uh, apologize for using your platform to gripe about uh, something that happened like uh, like almost 50 years ago. But hey, it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's what we it's what we do most. It's what we do yeah. most weeks. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> to to bring it back onto to this scene yeah. um <laughs> hey look we love a tangent around here it's absolutely fine um we get a um a really good repeat line and it's a repeat line from one that wasn't that long ago as well in fact i think for us mj it was last week um where in the previous scene hooper says to quint it's when they're on the top of the orca and he says you ever have one do this before and then we hear Quint say no, but then we we spoke a bit about, you know, does he say I don't know or hell no, because it's different in different languages, translations and scripts. Uh, But either way, uh, the important thing is Hooper's question, which is you ever have one do this before? And then in this scene, we get Brody asking Hooper ever have a great white do this. So it's not exactly sort of verbatim line for line. Um, And Hooper responds like, semi-aggressively by saying like no or sort of like cuts Brody off before he finishes his sentence but the the point I I had on this is that I mean maybe this is me uh reading too much into things which is the very purpose of this podcast but super interesting (laughs) like in in terms of like the hierarchical structure of this group like Hooper sees Quint as the authority. Like he asks that question to Quint. He says, "You ever have one do this before?" But Brody, it's either Brody sees Hooper as the authority or the expert, or maybe he's just a little bit scared of Quint. Uh, so I wondered what your guys' thoughts were on uh, on that sort of idea of this like hierarchical structure within the within the main trio. I think that 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 Quint himself has established that hierarchy from the get-go i mean he's the one who was like it's my vessel mm-hmm. it's my it's my equipment it's my stuff so i mean i think yeah uh there's still a little bit of you know wanting to uh play by the rules um 
as far as Hooper's concerned. Like, he... Back to the America's Cup thing, like, Quint made the rules known at the beginning. Hey, I'm in charge here. And Hooper's, you know, he... he He's not a doormat necessarily, but he also isn't going to totally go rogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's also uh, some built-up frustration too, because I think for both Hooper and Quint, they're, I mean, they're they're very prideful about we know a lot about sharks, and the fact that like this particular shark is doing so many things that they're like, what, like just what the f is going, like why is this keep happening? Part of it is he's just annoyed that they keep basically getting outsmarted, but he's also not in charge because he's not steering the boat. And, and like, because like right when he says no, then it gets right to like being like, hey, Quint, you know, I think you need to ease up on the, mm-hmm. the, the pressure you're putting. Like, so I think for Hooper, he's like, I'm not, no offense to Brody, but he's like, I'm not Brody. I know how to, how to work a boat. I know about sharks. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if he was the one where, if, like, let's say Quint was knocked out and he could control the situation, it'd be different. But I think part of it is he's frazzled at what the shark's doing, and then also he's like, "I'm not in any have any control." Um, and, and it just so happens the guy who has control is just a freaking psycho. Where like, <laughs> like he is Cruella Deville about to run down them puppies' uh, <laughs> eyes, going of like, and you're just like, uh. <laughs> I think Brody's like, I should just ask Quint or, or Matt, like, hey, this yeah. isn't normal, right? <laughs> like, I feel like if he like were to ask Quint, Quint would like actually shove him off the boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, so yeah, I think I've you know, and it's funny when you say I don't mean to look into something. I'm like, well, when you're breaking down a movie minute by minute, you kind of have to. So, but I mean, no, yeah. it, it is like legit. It, it, like it's uh. It's it's a great scene to show their dynamic of the three of them too, where mm-hmm. like Brody, until everything catches up on Smoke, d- is not very assertive at all on the boat in general, mm-hmm. and like, and, and just to to kind of go to that really quick, like when he yells at him to stop the boat, it's like the, really the first time Brody is like, I'm I'm so sick of this, mm-hmm. you know what, Quint, like, and he actually stands up for himself a little bit too late because like half the boat is, the boat is up in smoke but like it's like the first time brody is really like i'm still a man like i i am not gonna get punked by you just because i know nothing about boats anymore because you're now putting my life at at danger which he's the only one who has a family really of the three and really i mean he's the one who has the most to lose he's got a wife and two kids so it's like I'm the one, if I die, it affects way more people than if either of you two do, which is, if I'm in Brody's situation, that's how I'm looking at it. Like, I got all the things to lose, whereas you guys don't, which maybe sounds selfish, but, I mean, it's true. He's got the family, whereas Quint's got just the one weird guy with the dog, which we don't even know if he likes that guy. I know you guys have the backstory on him, but... (laughs) And, and, And Hooper... You know, I might have someone back home, but he was about to go out on a boat for like all those months. So he clearly doesn't have any mm-hmm. attachment that he's like, I can't, you know, leave in in two seconds. So it's but yeah, no, I, th- I think it's 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 just a lot of men getting pissed off and being like, I, I'm taking control now. Uh, 
it's a lot of testosterone flowing in this mm-hmm. in these two minutes of like <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you know so um but yeah but yeah no i don't think you looked into it uh too hard sarah i think i think you're pretty spot on so <laughs> thank you yeah if uh if yeah. we were to start a let's jaws for a minute drinking game then take a shot every time one of us says i, I might be reading too much into this <laughs> <laughs> I know I've said that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, another one is just, oh, I can't remember, um, oh when when like one of us is just like so I've never noticed this before and it's just like well yeah obviously <laughs> dumbass because you've never gone minute by minute through a podcast before. <laughs> You're like oh man why is none of our episodes are are there's just such a hodgepodge well we do a lot of shots during it because we really. <laughs> But this is a great podcast. Show commitment. You guys, I give mm. you so much credit for Thank every you. week listening, being like <laughs> they are sticking to as close to a minute because it would have been so much easier on you guys to be like, look, we're going to do like scenes, you know, yeah. so it could be five minutes, mm. six minutes. Instead, you guys are like, hell no, we are mm. we are getting into a treating a classic the way a classic deserves to be treated. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> justice <laughs> for Robert Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Nick, this is this is the you're at the beginning of the end. This is the final ten. I know. You know what's crazy? You know what's funny is I was. I mean, I was on back in September, which was basically the beginning of Act Three. I felt like because it's right as the boat's leaving the dock, and that was the first mm-hmm. time I got to go on. And to think that that was what five six months ago, and it's like we're just getting to now, like the final ten minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's. Like I said, you guys do a good job of making your audience feel like, especially if a guest has been a part of it, like, hey, this has been a, a fun journey to go on. And now I can't not watch Jaws without thinking of half the stuff you guys have talked about uh, <laughs> in the movie. And it's like, ah, yeah, they covered that. They are right about that. Or I never noticed that either. And then you're like, of course you haven't, you idiot. You've never broken it down for a minute. To, to, yeah. quote, to quote Sarah Buttery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very me thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um i have forgotten what i was about to say <laughs> so wait were you nick were you on were you on for a farewell and adieu last time you came on or was... no, no so so what happened was i was on right when um when he, when quince like throws throw another chum marker that's the first time i right. was on okay um and and we did the crush it like quint where all yes. i had was sparkling water that oh, was God. cold which i hate and like <laughs> honest to god i i you know i'm not I'm not the biggest drinker in the world but i'm like i'd rather do a shot of like my least favorite alcohol than have to chug a a can of sparkling water it's just me i'm just not a fan of it and it was like it was so damn cold. I'm like, this This is so weak of me. I think mm. actually chugging a beer would have been easier than, <laughs> yeah. than that can. But yeah, and, uh, like I told you, it is funny. I'm sure this has happened with your other guests. But you guys really feel like friends at, at a certain point listening to you. Where <laughs> when I was on that episode, I'm like, wait, I've never been on with you guys. So <laughs> my hat's off to you two of making this very easy in a good way. But like, it definitely... It's one of those things where you listen so much that it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You guys have never, A, met me, and B, uh, I've only done this once with you guys. (laughs) So, uh, again, sorry. I keep getting this off on these tangents. But this is a a Justice for Robert Shaw slash praise to you two uh, episode (laughs) of 
of, of the fine work you guys have done. Oh, well, you are very much. Uh... The, the, unfortunately, the Academy will not acknowledge yeah. you for this. <laughs> when they bring in an award for when, when they bring in an award for podcast. best one minute breakdowns per episode, they're like, "Oh, we're not nominating a podcast for Jaws. What are we crazy?" Hey, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Pun not intended on the. Wait a minute! They're doing the Twitter Oscar or whatever mm-hmm. this year. Mm. Everyone, go vote. <laughs> For Let's Jaws for a minute as your favorite movie of the year. Please. <laughs> hey, they said it's a write-in. This is a write-in ballot, so. Oh uh, my goodness! I, I'm gonna. I don't t- think you guys will beat out Spider-Man, but I will for sure write in Let's Jaws for a minute. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that would be great. A random podcast <laughs> nominated. Dog three times, so. <laughs> Not a joke. No. I've done that. I, I, I do not want them to continue to do this because it's the dumbest idea is, I've ever is, heard. It is. It is such a. So. It is such a. We know that the movie people actually go and see. We're not going to pick. It was like when they were pitching an idea for let's do best blockbuster award. I go, well, that just seems yeah. like you're just trying. Like again, put the effort in of just go nominate one of them. If there's ten movies, you can't tell me that all 10 have the same shot of winning. Like, Mm. you know, they just need more normal people on their committee to be like, guys, what are we doing here? We, we need viewers. We know who's going to win. Just throw everyone a little bit, a little, a little dessert here of like nominate this movie or this movie. It's not going to kill you. No Mm. one's going to get mad that you didn't. Black Panther got nominated yep. and that didn't really help them. Mm. Yeah, well well yeah, that was the that was the Oscars being like, see guys, we nominated a superhero movie. Look at how cool we are. And everyone's <laughs> like, Well, but it's your only one, and you also are nominating it a year after you got torched by people for not having any diversity. Yeah. So you're like, it's yeah. it's the first black superhero movie and it's a superhero movie. We could cross two such a like making fun of themselves in a way where they're like we could cross two things off off the list with one movie and look at us we're mm-hmm. cool we're not we're not against uh pe- like this and it's like we all kind of see what you're doing here you you, you might as well just say this is why we did it <laughs> i mean yeah. it's 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 pretty obvious when the oscars know when they've messed up on something and then they overdo it when you're like just nominate what's good uh, but like i said maybe throw a bone on a year if it like this past year like we're a pandemic that we're still in maybe nominate something that people really enjoyed going to see that took them out of the mindset of how much everything sucks right now (laughs) (laughs) but but again if the oscars are listening to this podcast i could do your jobs at way cheaper of a cost (laughs) than what you guys probably get paid so just throwing that out there if you need someone to, (laughs) to strategize for you I'm right here. Yeah, yeah. And then you will make it your first uh, point of order to retroactively go back and redo the 48th Academy Awards. And they'll be like, yep. that's strange. Uh, why that one? You'll be like, you'll see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just listen to this podcast. You'll find out why. Yeah. <laughs> Jaws nominated in every single category. <laughs> <laughs> You're like... <laughs> Nick Jaws came out 50 years ago. Why is it nominated for the 2023 Oscars? Because uh, it just rules. is. <laughs> yeah, I, don't make, I don't make the rules, guys. I'm just trying to get people to watch your show. What can yeah. I say? 
Oh, um, I'm so sorry. This is this episode's just called Nick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to be sorry about. Don't worry. Um, I did want to mention the the what I've called or subtitled in my notes the farewell and adieu trilogy. Um, uh, <laughs> it made me laugh when I wrote it as well. Um, so we get this is our third and final rendition that we get of of Quint's uh, theme song, if you will. Um. And I was trying to figure out if there's any kind of pattern in, you know, the, the times that we we hear it and you talk about reading too much into things. This has been my afternoon. Um, so the first time we hear it is uh, it's right before they go out on the orca. It's after you go in the cage, cage goes in the water, sharks in the water, that whole bit. Um, when Quint sings the song uh, to, to Hooper uh, and that's obviously before they've gone out to sea is the first time we get it. And then the second time is right after Indianapolis. Um, so they are at sea at that point. Um, uh, and sort of happens after a very kind of crucial big moment for Quint at least. Uh, and then this time is where, you know, they are trying to, well, heading into land or trying to uh, at least. And that's that's when Quint gives us this song again so the only thing i could kind of come up with is that we get sort of one before they go out to sea one like mid uh them being at sea and then one sort of as the film is coming to to a close so again don't know if it's deliberate or if this is you know like i said quince theme song but um another side note on this uh is the boy i've had a slow afternoon as you can tell um the first time the sort of the way that he sings it is quite he's pretty confident he's pretty arrogant he's got this big smile on his face as he's singing it to basically wind up hooper um so i've classed that as as confident and the second time around is much more melancholic it's right after indianapolis so he's feeling feeling a bit down and then the third time i've i've classed as maniacal so uh, confident, melancholic, and uh, maniacal, which is also Quint's uh, description on his Tinder profile, I believe, is uh... <laughs> which is a really dumb joke. I'm very sorry. <laughs> sorry, I was on mute, and I was like, she deserves a laugh on Thank that. You. That was actually really funny. That caught me off guard. <laughs> Just muted laughter is how most of my jokes are normally received, so it's fine. <laughs> He's like, hey, farewell and you do, ye fair Spanish ladies. And they're like, mm, I don't know about this guy. He's yeah. got an awful lot of he's got an awful lot of shark skulls on his mm. Tinder profile. Mm. <laughs> and also, I feel like if anyone puts maniacal on their Tinder profile, that's probably a red flag. Just straight straight out the gate. <laughs> yeah, you know, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any, I mean, anything to add on the 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 trilogy, the farewell and adieu trilogy that is uh, makes any more sense than my ridiculous uh, conclusions I've come to. I think you're spot on with it. That uh, it's sort of his. I don't know how to put it necessarily because sick brain, <laughs> but um, I think you're you're right on the money of like it. It is sort of this all-purpose, like, lets you know his mood type of signal. Mm -hmm. And to have, and I think that that, that um, characters a lot of times can have a trademark like that, that let you know um, what's going on. I mean, the, the once again, probably because sick brain, the, um, 
the closest thing I can think of is uh, in Fantastic Mr. Fox, where he's got the whistle with the clicking noise. And you like it serves his like, okay, this is, you know, this is his his rallying cry. It's also his, you know, how he denotes like how he reacts to things. That's his, his fallback. And I think people have that. I think that's definitely something that we see. And um, it also isn't this song in Moby Dick. Didn't we establish that? Mm. Or is that another one? Uh, <laughs> I'm not even uh, sick. I don't have that excuse. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that one either. Let me do a quick uh, Google. Yeah, it is. Oh, there we go. Oh, it, it's in Moby Dick. It's in chapter 40 of Moby Dick. Um, and because uh, that's what what uh, uh, Blake said when he was on mm, mm-hmm. the podcast. Um, so I think it's also this like it, it represents his sort of like a havoc journey with this shark Mm -hmm. where, you know, I think, uh, uh, he starts off pretty like, pretty like, yeah, we're going to go get the shark. And then it's just sort of this descent into madness for him and happening to, to Quinn. Yeah. Well, no one's had a better, like that didn't age well comment than Quint when he was like, I'll catch it and kill it myself. And it's like, Oh, (laughs) the hell you are Quint. You're, Mm -hmm. you need, people to help you with this and you're still doing a bad job like uh he yeah, comments yep he he came in so cocky that huh, i've killed thousands of sharks this will be fine and then like i i, I think um I, I wrote down the the very end of this scene when the barrels go past the 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 orca and start to like go down again and the music kind of I, I believe the music was like playing the farewell and you do and kind of like fades out. Mm-hmm. But that is such a um, like a checkmate move by the shark. Almost like the shark's like this idiot's going to blow his engine and mm-hmm. I will laugh in his face and just go by. Like, look at how these barrels do nothing to me. Like this shark is a really sick, sadistic killer because <laughs> he seems like he's having fun toying with these three, knowing that. Uh, he's going to win, you know, at that point in the movie. Um, but I, I just think like, yeah, the, the song definitely when he sings it, it, like you like you said, Sarah, it's sung differently all three times. And um, it, it just works so well, especially in this part, because it's it's almost like a um, he's telling himself like this could be a farewell to the three of us, uh, but mm. it could also be to the shark because he doesn't sing it with a ton of like gusto. It's just kind of like, like you said, maybe it's a tick for him. Like that's his, uh, okay, I'm in a situation and they just start singing that, but not to look too much into it, but, um, (laughs) I, but, (laughs) but no, uh, it it definitely, it's a very good trilogy because it, it, and it's all a, uh, I guess that it's all a third act trilogy, which you don't normally get, um, Mm -hmm. because he sings it three times in this third act. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. so yeah that's a good point actually and i mean you both have said far more intelligent intelligently what i think i was trying to say with my uh insane and unhinged notes that i've written for this week's episode I'm, i think like i'm just like channeling my inner quint uh this week where i i looked back on these notes and i was like i don't know if any of this makes a lick of sense but hopefully someone's gonna help me out <laughs> and you did well so, you have an accent you. too so you could sound more like quint than the two of us <laughs> but uh <laughs> 
you should have just came on and been like, ah, farewell and we do. Yeah. And like, just try to basically do a pirate the whole time. So we're like, what the hell is Sarah talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give it time. Uh, although we've not got, we've not got left, long left with, uh, with Quint now, which is, is sad. I think it's like, I'm really, I don't know about you guys like watching this and obviously, you know, I know you've come on for, for two episodes, Nick, and you, and you listen as well, but like the really getting this sort of like heavy feeling in my chest now, like the, like Quint's journey is really going to be over like very, very soon. There's, I mean, we are in mm-hmm. like the last 10 minutes or so of the film now. And it's just like, I even though I've watched this film so many times before and I, I obviously know what's coming, I don't think I've ever felt this, like, heaviness before. I think that's going to be a really interesting episode when when we get to that one because everything now that Quint does, like, every decision, every sort of um, reaction, every way he delivers a line, like, just everything I'm, like, looking at under the microscope, just, like, this is this is a person who's, like whose journey, whose mission is ending like really, really soon. So I'm just kind of looking at mm. absolutely everything and sort of seeing this, you know, unhinged, past the point of no return character who really just doesn't care what happens to himself or anyone else at this point. And it's kind of just making me feel like a like a a little bit sad as well. And we'll we'll absolutely when we get to, to Quint's death, we'll talk about uh, the sort of sacrificial element of that, because that is something that we've mentioned on on a lot of previous episodes. But I don't know. I'm just I'm just starting to get a bit <laughs> a bit glum, thinking that it's. I mean, we've we've still got a great uh, bit to come with with Hooper down in the cage. Um, but after that, it's uh, yeah, Quint is not long for this world, and I'm starting to feel a bit sad about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I want to bring up something that you mentioned, Nick, about the the the, the way the shark is responding here, um, because we get a line from Brody about it actually, mm. uh, and Brody is like, "Have you ever had a great white shark do?" And before he can even finish, Hooper is like, "No, like the the <laughs> there is absolutely fucking not. I have never." <laughs> that is is tinged in hooper's voice and it's a it's a fantastic delivery but it also i i got triggered about this in our dms the other day sarah but uh a some a somewhat prominent writer in the horror community i will not name names uh tweeted that jaws was not a slasher movie and uh I, I don't know what to tell you, bud. I, I can't think of anything <laughs> that follows the Thrasher formula almost more than the second half of Jaws. Like, mm. the, the way this shark is behaving, <laughs> the way it's toying with them, uh, you know, and, and the, 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 the he set up these rules for what a Slasher movie is, and by the way, Jaws follows those rules. <laughs> uh, I think that was the, the, the craziest thing, is he was like, well, you know, a slasher terrorizes a specific group of people in a confined space. I don't know what's more confined than a boat, my dude. Like, Yeah, and you know what? Uh, that's a good point, MJ, because they can't run from a shark on a boat. Like, mm-hmm. they literally are like, this is the only thing. At least if Jason's chasing you, you can run through seem- seemingly a, a, a big-ass woods where you're like, 
there's somewhat yeah. of a chance. Like you're on a boat, but I think what it is is Jaws just <laughs> I don't want to piss anyone off here, but Jaws is just an actual good movie where mostly slashers are they're crap. Like they're fun for what they are, but they're just not good. But Jaws basically takes the formula and is like, you know, you could make this in a more intelligent way and still be just as scary as a slasher. Whereas slashers generally, like if you actually go back and watch like all of the Jason movies or the post like first Halloween movie, um, a lot of it is like crappy acting and we're just going to make it really bloody. Whereas like Mm -hmm. Halloween Jaws, the first alien, they take the same formula because aliens the same way alien does it where you don't see the alien half the time. It's not about blood and guts. It's like we will scare you because you just don't know what's going to happen. And, and I think it's why Jaws, I, I myself wouldn't just say, oh, it's just a, a horror movie or just a monster movie. It kind of just, it it circles so many box or checks off so many boxes. Yeah. But I think that's the, the biggest point is like, no, this is what a good slasher movie could look like if done well, which is what it is. Because like you said, it's a shark basically <laughs> circling a boat like, you got nowhere to go, I'm going to toy with you. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jason's like, eh, you'll run into a bear trap somewhere in the woods and then I'll come up and kill you and you'll act poorly and I'll collect my paycheck and that's what we'll do. Like, <laughs> so, but I do yeah, like horror okay. movies. Just, I, I throw that out there, but yeah, this is just done really well. So because I like to hurt myself, I put, I pulled up that thread and what they said is slasher movies involve the core group being menaced by someone who catches them off guard. And then he says, Dracula is a slasher movie and the host is a slasher movie. And I love the host. It's not a fucking slasher movie. It's not a slasher movie at all. Um, and how is Dracula's like, I mean, Dracula, I get, well, if you're going to make a case for Dracula, I mean, it's a monster movie, uh, you know, like I think, you know, he does what Jaws does. He just turns into a bat and bites you on the neck instead of ripping you apart or swallowing you whole. Like, yeah. yeah well, and so then, so then someone someone did try to push back and said that Jaws 2 is a slasher movie, um, and uh, which I haven't seen it, so it's... Oh, MG, you gotta watch. I actually just mm-hmm. watched it the other day, and my, my youngest son looked at me in a way where I'm like, yeah, I probably should turn this off. I, it's, <laughs> it's not a bad sequel. I just don't think uh, a little kid should watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Bad, bad parenting on my part, but... <laughs> of the Jaws sequels, it's the best, which the bar is not high on the Jaws yeah. sequels, but it, like, it's still, it's not a bad sequel. I will say that. Um, sorry. Um, <laughs> so here's, here's, this is not a reply from the original tweet author, but this tweet, this tweet makes me want to yeet my phone into the sun forever. <laughs> it says, Jaws 2 is not a slasher. Slasher comes from literally slashing of a knife. So a knife or a sharp object used by a human needs to be the cause of the deaths. What a narrow ass <laughs> definition. <laughs> this is so uh, stupid. I mean, I know we 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 got mad <laughs> we got mad about it in the DMs the other day as well, but like I'm I'm a I'm a get mad about it again because I mean I don't think anyone is going to argue about Halloween not being a slasher film, right? Uh, by by all definitions, slasher film, guy going around, got a knife, killing people. But also, like, a, a, a big part of that film is, like, how 
difficult the killer is to kill. Like he is un he is mm-hmm. unkillable. What is happening in this back half of Jaws if it is not a per- like a a thing? You know, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's a person mm-hmm. or otherwise. Trying to kill a bunch of people and they're really struggling to kill it. Jaws is Halloween. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I can just picture now Jaws opening a door and instead of Michael Myers, it's just a shark. And they're like, they're like, oh my God, Michael, you're a, you're a giant shark. And then it's Michael Myers swimming in the water and Quint's like, ah, I put three barrels in him, three barrels, and he didn't go down. Woodwatch. Yeah, in a, in, in a Halloween end, he's going to be delivering candy grams to the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, he's instead of a sex offender, he's a not slasher. So he's like, uh, I'm here to tell you, I'm not a slasher. Here's your candy. Yeah. <laughs> but then he's laying a shark. Yeah, uh, he's just a shark. <laughs> well, and so here's the other thing. I, man, I'm real riled up about this again. The humanity <laughs> of these slashers is absolutely in question, by the way. They don't necessarily have to be human. You think Michael Myers is fully human? Mm-hmm. He's referred to as the shape. Um, Jason uh, Voorhees uh, is basically a zombie at mm-hmm. this yeah, point. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, um, well, like I'm trying to think, like monster movies. Like you said, the host is not a person. It's a. a I yeah. haven't seen it in a long time, but it's like a thing, right? Like an alien, right? It's the kaiju. It's like oh, the kaiju. A, oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's—is that a person? I mean, come on, that's that—that's taking the literal name slasher and being like, well, technically, I'm like, okay, then it's a horror slasher if you have to throw something else in front of it. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's uh, that that the, the format he gave fits Jaws to a T. So that's on him. Yeah, he gave the <laughs> he gave the wrong format. And now he's going to attack me, I'm sure. And be like, uh. <laughs> he's, he's, he's very prominent in the horror community. And, yeah. and, uh, he's going to be like, what did you say about movies being bad? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. What the hell, man? I just, it really like got under my skin when he said that. Uh, mm. His original argument was about the, that the Saw movies don't count as slasher movies. And I would actually probably agree with that. Yeah, well, those are the uh, what it's called um, gore porn movie because that's porn. all it is, or torture porn. Yeah, that's all those movies are. And I like the first Saw movie, but after that, it's like, oh, this is these are just disgusting. Yeah, mm. I just I think it's super narrow minded to think a film can can only be one thing, and people really get a freaking bee in their bonnet over whether like Jaws is a horror film or isn't a horror film and I'm like it, it yeah. is right you don't that's not a it's it's not a question whether it is or isn't like is it a monster movie yes it is is it also a slasher film yes it is is it also like an adventure film yes it can be all of those things like there isn't you don't need to look up like the dictionary definition of of these genres and be like well you know it it can only fit into this category and here's this like checklist of criteria that it has to meet it's like would how boring would that be if like every slasher you know we'll stick with the slasher film if every slasher film like just was those things that that were outlined and in fact like the sort of very um like basic like this is what a slasher film is like the ones that that kind of stick so rigidly to that are the ones that like aren't that 
good. Like there's, there's there'll be some exceptions um, to that, of course, but like the ones that are like super formulaic, like you know, bunch of teens in the woods. There's a person with a knife, and he kills them off. One I think by that's one. the song they sing in the movie too. <laughs> I'm pretty positive Mrs. Voorhees in the first one hums that tune. Yeah. <laughs> also, I love that MJ was so mad and your your first thing, Sarah, was, ah, when they get the bee in the bonnet, I'm like, that is a a a criminally underused saying. And I knew exactly what you meant, but I'm like, that just sounded really funny to be like, yeah, because they get the bee in their bonnet. I'm like, that is uh, that, that is an old school one to use. Uh, but you're right, though. You're right about not every movie needs to just be like for me. Goodfellas, why I love that movie so much is I consider it. It's a drama and it's a mafia movie. It's kind of a dark comedy. There's a lot of really funny parts that are supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. And then also parts where you're like, that's funny, but what they're doing is not funny and uh you know like like it's 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 what makes again it's why jaws is a classic classic movies don't generally fall into one category or the Mm -hmm. other you you could kind of like you said jaws could be considered so much uh and it's why i think like john williams score is so good because he scores it as a adventure movie a horror movie Mm -hmm. uh you know the uh, i guess like a, a a drama in in the in the scenes where they're not like on land or at the beach but like that's why the score is so good. It's kind of like a pirate chase movie for a while. In the second mm-hmm. half, it sounds very like jovial and like, oh yeah, they're gonna get the shark. So yeah, that's is we just drop so much knowledge here. It's like guys, this, stop trying to like you said put a get a bee in your bonnet over everything. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to. Everything doesn't always have to fit one one mold. And again, Jaws is just a better movie than all those crappy slash movies. <laughs> And that is a hill I will die on mm-hmm. for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Uh, I'm still on it, but I, I still have a bee in my bonnet about this. Freddy Krueger, not a person by the time he starts killing the kids in those movies, yeah. still considered a slasher. Mm-hmm. The, the thing about it being a person, I think, is the most egregious. <laughs> Like, like I said, do you want do you want to reiterate that that is not from the original tweet author? That was some dipshit in the replies. Mm. Uh, so, but yeah, it has to be a human is a crazy uh, <laughs> a crazy qualifier for. Also, it. I mean, if if I don't know if anyone said this, or if I'm just now like putting words into people's mouths, but if anyone was like a slasher film has to be like someone who like actually slashes a person with a knife, the, the shark has got. Hundreds of tiny little knives oh, in its mouth. What is more that slashery? That is a mic drop moment. <laughs> <laughs> what is more slashery oh. than that? <laughs> Sarah, I'm glad you brought that up because the original person who said that responded to the person with shark teeth are like a bunch of knives. Yes. And they responded with, but they're not a human. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake. I, I don't need to drop F bombs <laughs> on this podcast that that needed it. <laughs> I, I love this right now. This is like, th- this is, this is let's Jaws for a, a minute. The dark version, like un- uncensored. Tell us how you really feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> Some of Getting these people spicy. who, yeah, it's, 
you might need to put a little warning label in front of this one. Like it gets a bit, uh, it gets a bit spicy. Sarah drops an F bomb, which to my knowledge has not happened on the one. At least I don't remember it. So I don't think so. Not to my knowledge. I'm normally pretty good <laughs> in case my parents listen. If they choose this one to listen to, mum and dad, I can I'm just really sorry. Can, they're gonna stop now listening to this podcast. <laughs> oh, my mum the other day, like uh, yesterday, no Monday, it was like. I was just telling her about the podcast because she now finally understands that a podcast is not a radio station so people don't listen to it live. <laughs> um, but she was like, oh, so I can listen to it anytime. And I'm like, correct, <laughs> you can listen to it anytime. She's like, oh, I should really start listening uh, listening to it uh, <laughs> now. Uh, I hope she doesn't. <laughs> She's going to um, have it on in front of a bunch of old people and be like, this is my daughter, Sarah. And then yeah. all of a sudden you're just going to be like, I fuck this. And then they're going to be like, whoa, oh my God, our ears, our ears. Oh boy. Uh, and, that's, and that's my apology now to my mom who's going to listen to this podcast eventually. <laughs> I did not mean to, I've been very good about not dropping. I um, That's my biggest per, like fault is I swear a ton. And with two little kids, I really try to censor it. And I'm like, oops, there, <laughs> there's my one F-bomb I'm allowed for the day. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, wow, this uh, this this really brought the rage out of all of us. But I, I, it's, it's been a real a real joy to a uh, therapeutic, thartic, just to let some uh, let some anger out. I think. Um, <laughs> did you did you guys have anything else on on this scene? I mean, I feel like this is the hill we are all prepared to die on. Is uh, George being a slasher <laughs> film? But if you if you had anything else um, in your notes or anything wanted to mention about this scene, uh, I'm good. Yeah, no, I think uh, <laughs> I think I've caused enough tangents for today. <laughs> I will just mention the the one thing that I have written down that I that I haven't mentioned is that I again uh, a classic Sarahism, but I don't think I've noticed before like how much time Brody spends like hanging out next to the mast that is the thing he climbs up at the end when he shoots the shark. Um, so there's another great shot. It's like pretty much right at the end of this couple of minutes that we're talking about here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, where he's uh, he's kind of like holding on to the to the mast and or like leaning against it or something. Um, and I think that it's. I mean, it's we talk about the foreshadowing in Jaws quite a bit, but this mast, as well as being like pretty central on the boat and we've seen it in a bunch of shots like right you know right in the middle of the shot or sort of fairly prominently in the shot as well so i just think that it's like it's planting these like little little seeds just kind of being like this thing maybe gonna be important at some point and we spoke about that with the machete as well in last week's scene how it's kind of thrown into the side of the boat and obviously that's the weapon quint has with him when he gets taken by the shark as well and it doesn't you know doesn't end well for him but putting these sort of things there where it's like it's not rubbing your face in it and being like remember this it's going to be important later but it is kind of just continuing to put these little things in place where it's just like remember that thing or you know when it does happen that bit at the end when Brody is sort of like climbing up the mast and is barely out of the water you'll sort of think about like this moment or the other moments that you've seen that piece of the boat in the shot, I just think is a pretty cool thing. Well, it's why it's why it's why Spielberg's so good because a lot of directors would have had like 
let's make a line that like hints at he might have to climb that later instead mm-hmm. it's just there's just more that. it's like you again it's just being subtle there's a lot of subtleties in jaws that obviously we've all three seen it so many times that we pick up on all the subtleties and especially when you're breaking it down minute by minute it's like well yeah it doesn't seem subtle because we know it but like yeah i think i think it's just a perfect little like oh he's he's spending a long time on that one particular spot and it's like well gonna come into play later uh mm-hmm. and it, but it's not over the nose on it they don't really or uh or over the, they don't beat you over the head with it they just they don't even mm-hmm. focus in on it that much it's just right. kind of a once you've seen it a bunch you're like ah, oh, yeah he, he does spend a lot of time uh right there so yeah no mm-hmm. that's I think you might be looking a little too much into it, but like, I think I think it's okay. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> um, okay, I I think I've I've exhausted all of uh, all of my notes and beyond, so we will leave it there um, for today. But Nick, it has been uh, an absolute joy to have you on the podcast again. And uh, if you have anything anything you would like to plug or where people can find you on uh, on Twitter, then the now is your chance to plug whatever you want. Uh, yeah, nothing to plug right now, but um, just, yeah, I really, really had a lot of fun um, doing this with you guys. Like you said, you make it very easy, and I'm on Twitter, M underscore Nick 89, and I mean, I'll I'll retweet this when, you, when this episode comes out, but yeah, just keep doing what you guys are doing. This has been uh, a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it will, uh, well, from recording to release, uh, it will be... Uh a little longer than we than we usually have as we work on our uh behind the scenes tech issues uh but it will uh, it'll <laughs> well, be... <laughs> you gotta build the suspense though it's okay <laughs> right exactly it's like coming right to the end of the film and we had like barely any breaks in recording with like broken bones house moves all kinds of stuff happening in the last few years and then our undoing is a uh, uh, motherboard <laughs> that broke uh something probably more technical than that but yeah we'll uh we're, we're working on it and you know hopefully if you're listening to this uh it's not three years from now i don't think, i don't think it will be yeah i don't think it'll be a three-year delay. <laughs> <laughs> that would be devastating uh mj do you have anything uh that you would like to plug uh yeah might as well do all of them since i don't know when people are uh, gonna hear this <laughs> um so at time of recording, here's what I've done. Oh, I want to issue a correction. If you listen to the last episode, I ended up not being able to be on the Uncut Gems podcast uh, because my computer is broken and the platform they use to record does not accept any sort of a, a phone or tablet input uh, for recording. So I was not on that episode. If you went to look for it, I wasn't able to make it happen, unfortunately. Um, if all goes according to plan, Though I will be on two new episodes about another time uh, uh, of the Highlander Minute by Minute podcast, another time McLeod, um, starring the Robs. Uh, so I think it's more talking about uh, the villain played by by Clancy Brown on uh, that. So I will be on the next two episodes of that. Um, I've also recorded an episode of the Bond We Share podcast about Moonraker. Not sure when that'll be out. Um, I'm not sure what the release schedule is. I think it's every two weeks, so it'll probably be out by the time you hear this episode. Um, so, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, things to plug. I've not been on any other 
podcast but I have been doing a lot of writing so this will probably be uh whenever you're listening to this will be entirely different things that I've written probably but most recent anyway I uh we talk about films that uh didn't really fit into particular genres or crossed over genres uh I wrote a thing about uh films like Parasite uh which is one of the best uh genre bending films of the last few years um talking about other films like it so a lot more uh Bon Joon Ho films so Snowpiercer and Okja as well as some other great South Korean films like Burning and The Handmaiden and Old Boy and yeah that was a really really fun one to write so you can check that out uh that's on Looper as is all the rest of the stuff that I write um hopefully by the time you listen to this my uh largest looper article i've written so far which is on the 50 best space movies um which when i sent it off to the editor was over 10,000 words so <laughs> praying for the person who has to edit that one uh and if anything gets taken out but it will still be very long because i love me some space movies um and that was really fun going through that and talking about a lot of spielberg films because he's also done um a lot of space films as well um and there'll be some other stuff i'm sure but that'll that'll do for now so if you want to find any of the stuff that i've written um easiest way to do that is go to looper.com forward slash author forward slash sarah buttery and the link is in my twitter bio as well um to find all of that you can find us uh on twitter and uh finstagram we are at jaws for a minute and if you wanted to follow us individually, I am at Sarah Buddery and MJ is at MJSmith891. If you go to either our Twitter or Instagram page, you can find our link tree in our bio. There you will find the link to our Public and Redbubble pages where you can purchase our merchandise uh, courtesy of at HexGhosts on Twitter, who did those designs. You can also purchase our theme song by at Kristen Falls Music on Instagram. The link to her Bandcamp page to buy the theme song is in her Instagram bio as well as our link tree. Uh, also in our link tree is a link to our coffee page where for minimum of three pounds or three dollars you can buy us some virtual caffeine as it were uh, and in doing so you'll get a shout out on the show and you'll be entered into a draw to win uh, a t-shirt as well once we hit our next donation goal um, and finally uh, at no cost to you whatsoever uh, but one we'll be incredibly grateful for is you can um, rate review and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice uh, that really helps us out uh just helps us climb the charts we were i can't remember the exact position but we were climbing the charts in the film history i think in the uk recently we we certainly broke top 20 again um and randomly also in norway as well so thank you to the good nation well of norway for listening to our episodes uh we we're like top 30 or something i was just like how very random but Dope. yeah big fan of that so thank you yep. if you are in norway or elsewhere for listening and for sharing our episodes um it just yeah really helps out and is always nice to see um i think that is everything for this week uh, so until next time it's jaws o'clock somewhere